During these wild and crazy times, who wants to go to a grocery store and get a regular steak? I know I don't. So I go to unitedharvest.com. That's right. It's an ad, okay? And the Barra Media Podcast Network is proud to be sponsored by unitedharvest.com, a brand new e-commerce website that is completely specific towards sending their customers high-quality meat and paying the producers above market prices, at least 75% above market prices, to procure their top cattle for the consumer. I promise you guys, you will not be disappointed with this meat. If you go to unitedharvest.com, enter the promo code FRIENDS15, all caps, FRIENDS15, you'll get 15% off your first order, unitedharvest.com, you will not be disappointed. I don't even know how to remotely start a podcast. I don't know how to start a conversation. (laughs) If I could be any celebrity, I'd be Will Winner. Please, for the love of God, if you're listening to this and you still tuck your jeans and your boots, reach down, pull those bad boys out, all right? We're done with that. We're done with that. I am 97 pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal. Next! I should have brought my recorder. I could have played Hot Cross Buns. Is that illegal? <laughs> when our two moms listen to this podcast, they're going to be like... Yeah, our two moms. They're going to be super proud of us. Welcome <laughs> to the Keeper Pen. Welcome back, everyone. Our second episode in our second season of the Boss Babes for the Keeper Pen. I want a disclaimer. Um, I am currently hiding in where they keep the ice cream stands at the Louisville or Nail or whatever you want to call it. There is no ice cream, but I'm trying to keep it quiet. If you hear anything squeal, we're in the pig barn. It's not me. It's not my stomach. Um, Just putting that out here before we get started. Well, I'm so excited to be back this week, and I hope you really enjoyed our episode last week. I think that It was really well received, and we are even more excited to introduce this week's special guest. I've had the pleasure of knowing her since basically when I was, I don't know, I I don't remember when I may have met her exactly in person, but I've known her for a long time now um, with being involved in the cattle industry, and I know she has a super busy schedule, so we're super appreciative to have her here tonight. So I would like to introduce Blaine Arthur, Um, and Blaine, I'll let you sort of introduce or, you know, tell them a little bit about yourself and your career role right now um, briefly, and then we'll delve a little deeper into that as we get further into the episode. Okay, that's Sounds great. Well, I certainly appreciate the invitation to be on uh, with you all this afternoon, or I guess it's this evening now. Um, What I do here uh, in Oklahoma is I serve as the Secretary of Agriculture for our governor, uh, Governor Kevin Stitt. And so I have a multitude of responsibilities, one of those being uh, the Agency Director for our Department of Ag, Food and Forestry, which makes for very interesting days, especially in 2020. And so my professional capacity, that's what uh, takes up the majority of the day. But then uh, on the other side, I am a mom and a wife. Uh, My husband, Jared, has a cattle operation, Lucky Strike Show Cattle, and we have two kids, uh, Kelton, who is 12, and Kennedy, who is 8, who both love livestock and love exhibiting livestock. So lots of very busy days, uh, but we feel very fortunate for all the opportunities that we have on a regular basis. That's awesome. And like I said earlier, if, you know, 
we can't express how thankful we are that you took the time. I know that your schedule is jam-packed full, so we really do appreciate it. But um, to start out with, we'll can we just talk a little bit about where you first started, you know, getting out of college and how your career role has progressed throughout the years? Um, we'll just go ahead and start there. Okay, certainly. Grew up here in Oklahoma, very much a typical 4-H and FFA kid. Went to school at Oklahoma State University in Stillwater. Right out of school, I had a great opportunity to work in the finance industry. I did a lot of packaging of SBA loans and found different lending options for small businesses that were needing some special financing. So I had the opportunity to travel across our state, meet a lot of different folks, certainly met a lot of entrepreneurs, worked with a variety of folks, both on the private side um, and in the public sector, which is a tremendous learning opportunity for me. Then I had a good friend who worked uh, at that time at the Oklahoma Department of Ag, Food and Forestry and said that the Secretary of Agriculture was looking for someone to come work for him and she thought that I should interview and I was wanting to do something um, in the ag field on kind of a daily basis. And so I did not uh, ever necessarily have an interest in state government prior to that. Uh, but was appreciative of the interview and I uh, was very fortunate uh, to be hired at that time and really sparked my interest in how uh, public policy and certainly ag policy impacts all of us who are farmers and ranchers. So I worked uh, for at that time Secretary Peach for a couple of years. A new governor was elected in Oklahoma and the good and the bad thing about politics and many of us are seeing that right now is um, when uh, your party is um, in charge, there's opportunities and when those parties may switch, uh, those opportunities may change. Um, I was fortunate uh, to stay when a new governor was elected and did a lot of the legislative work for the department uh, for Secretary Jim Reese. I then had a chance to go work closer to home. I'd been commuting uh, for many years and was the executive director of the Oklahoma 4-H Foundation, uh, which was a great view for me of the nonprofit sector and daily fundraising and how important it is uh, to look at the philanthropic side of things uh, on a daily basis. And then Governor Stitt, who is our governor now here in Oklahoma was elected in 2018. Uh, I did not know Governor Stitt previously, which is very unusual in the political world. Uh, but thankfully uh, some folks suggested uh, that he visit with me. And then I got to start working for the governor in this capacity as a cabinet member in January of 2019. That's awesome. And it's so funny how like, everything just builds on top of each other. And then one day you're in this position and then four years from then you're in a different position. And I guess I want to talk on, and because I think that we're all seeing this and, you know, I have plans for my future right now. I know a lot of people listening have plans and I'm assuming when you were 20 years old, you didn't think that you'd be in the position that you're in right now. And so I want to talk about how you handled like your, your goals when you're younger and then them not either working out or going a different route, how you approach that and what you do with that and just your best advice on that. Sure. Absolutely. Jenna, I think the, 
interesting thing is that especially individuals who are driven uh, to be successful uh, in whatever area that is, they kind of, we kind of want to write our own story and we want things to go the way that we want them to go. Um, something I always want to make sure and share with people is I've had a multitude of job opportunities that I pursued and that I interviewed that I wasn't selected for. Uh, some of those were right out of college. Uh, some of those were later on in my professional career. And at the time, incredibly disappointing because I had kind of, you know, made this plan. Okay, here, I know this job is opening. And if I'm able to get that, here's kind of the next step and what I'm going to do. Uh, I do think that God, a lot of times has a little different plan for us. I think you have to work exceptionally hard. And I think that people have to open those doors of opportunities for you. Uh, but sometimes the path that we want to right for ourselves um, isn't always uh, the path necessarily. I certainly never would have thought uh, that at age 38, I would have had the chance to serve as our Secretary of Ag for the state of Oklahoma. Feel incredibly fortunate uh, that I do have this chance, but if I had written my five, 10, 15 year goals, uh, that would not have um, happened at this point in time. So I think the encouragement I always want to give folks is, uh, you have to continue to work hard no matter what you're doing at that certain time because through relationship building and networking um, and sometimes a lot of praying, uh, great opportunities will come to you. Um, so don't be discouraged. I mean, I've had those job interviews that, you know, I got the phone call that I wasn't selected. And uh, I think all of us, certainly all of us in the livestock world, we're very competitive and we like to be successful. And so when you don't get that job interview, it feels like you're losing, but it actually may be because something better for you is waiting down the road and you have a different path to get there. I, com I completely agree with all of that. And I think that Jen and I have tried to encourage people, but it, it really helps with someone who has been through it to be able to share their story. I think that a lot of people really benefit from that. So I really appreciate that. Okay. And Blaine, while we're sort of on this, on this topic of, you know, growing through experiences, would you by chance be able to give us, you know, the story of your experience with the Oklahoma City bombing? I know it hits really close to home for you. So I think it's something that a lot of our listeners would be really interested in hearing about. Sure, Maddie. Um, I, again, grew up here in Oklahoma. Uh, my mother was a veterinarian and worked for USDA. And in 1995, um, which now has been 25 years ago, uh, so for some of your listeners, they may not have even been alive at that time, uh, but the Oklahoma City bombing uh, impacted so many of us here in Oklahoma uh, with those who were killed that day. Uh, my mother did work in the building um, and she unfortunately did not survive. Um, she, I was 13 um, and certainly something that you never expect uh, to have happen. So I have two sisters. I have a younger sister, uh, Chelsea Evans, who probably a lot of you might know. I'm an older sister, Rosalind Biggs. And so my dad uh, chose to, he did not remarry and chose to raise the three of us girls, um, which now uh, having kids of my own, I'm amazed that he survived uh, that experience. But I, I think the really important thing is you will have a multitude of obstacles thrown at you in life. Uh, for us, that one certainly changed um, our day-to-day -day life. Um, and 
certainly changed the decisions that we made and uh, certainly even the decisions that I make now as a mom and as a wife. And you think that you're not gonna be able to move forward, uh, that things aren't going to keep going, uh, but they do. We were very fortunate. Uh, we lived in a, a fair, fairly rural community. So we had tremendous support from the ag community, tremendous support from our church. Um, and we had lots of other moms who stepped in uh, to kind of help make sure we had everything that we needed. So um, certainly a devastating situation uh, to a 13 year old and certainly to my siblings and my dad and all of our family. But I can tell you that I don't believe that I would be the individual that I am now um, had that tragic event not happened uh, because it made us uh, into very independent um, kids. And we were also very much driven to succeed because we knew that's what our mom would want us to do. And so there'll be lots and lots of tough situations uh, that you'll run into in life. And a lot of times they don't seem fair. Uh, there's no question about that. But um, I think there's always uh, folks who will help you navigate through those situations. Um, and now I have a great opportunity. I serve on the conscience committee uh, for the Oklahoma City National Memorial and Museum. And it gives me a chance to uh, share that story and to remind people that uh, the response to an act of hate like that, uh, the best response is not violence. Uh, and we have seen uh, the love and compassion and resilience here in Oklahoma and Oklahoma City. So we continue to try to share um, a very positive story of what happened after the bombing uh, from what was intended, I think, to be a very uh, certainly was a tragic event and an uh, act full of hate, uh, but here in Oklahoma, we chose to respond uh, with love and compassion. That's so heartbreaking, and I, I'm so thankful that you share that experience, your, your story, because I know how difficult that is, but, you know, in the, in the I want to talk about grieving, I guess, and your advice and what you can tell people. We had Paige, uh, a girl that I go to school with, just lost her dad a couple months ago on the podcast, and she talked about it, and you know, I want to, I want to hear what you, what 13 year old you felt like or what you did. And then the moment, you know, incorporating God into your life. And when you just thought I have to, you know, use this for good and your best, I guess your best advice for that, because I know a lot of people go through things that are very hard, um, losing someone or just very hard situations and grief comes in different forms and different packages. So I guess I want to hear your story or your siblings, how they responded differently and, and just what your advice is on that. Sure, absolutely. Uh, there's no question that everyone grieves differently um, and there's no wrong or right answer to how you grieve or work through that process. Um, and you would think uh, that as you get older, it gets easier. Um, I'll tell you certainly from my perspective, I was 13, I was very busy, very, very active in a variety of um, activities, showing FFA, um, all those things that busy ag kids do. And so we just continued to participate in all these activities, which kept our days very busy, which was wonderful. Uh, but at some point you have to slow down and kind of walk through the pieces um, of that uh, 
really, really terrible event. Um, and so I know for me, I'll, the grieving process probably stretched out further um, as I went into um, some uh, activities later on, like when you go to buy your first prom dress, um, you know, that's something that you typically would do with your mom. Uh, that was not the case. I had great other family members that stepped in to fill that void. Um, and then, you know, later on getting married and planning your wedding, that's something that your mom would be a huge part of and then having kids later on. So um, that process has certainly surprised me as an adult uh, because there have been times that something made me really, really sad that I would not have anticipated. Um, but I think the most important thing for anyone that has lost someone or is going through that grieving process, um, I think you've got to keep your faith um, as that number one pillar because uh, that's kind of the only steadfast uh, piece that you have. But then also to know that everyone goes through that differently. Certainly all of us as siblings handled the grieving process a lot differently and we still do even to this day. Um, but also to reach out and communicate with folks and it's always okay uh, to ask for help. I think sometimes in the ag world we're not very good at asking for help uh, but to realize that it's always okay to ask for help and it's okay to be sad. Um, that's just part of the process. We've always talked about how it's okay to not be okay sometimes and I think that playing what you just said with the ag community that there's such a stigma that we have to be strong and we're very strong. We're very resilient people, but we don't have to be that every day. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to, to be sad and to have things happen to you and not cope with it. Um, and the constant bounce back act that we think we need to do, but that's just my input. Maddie, go ahead. No. And I was just going to say to Blaine, I'm, you know, I, I'm sure you never imagined that we'd be getting into a conversation like this when we asked you, because I know that you have so much knowledge about the ag world, but I think that sometimes just sharing personal stories like that really helps a lot of people because a lot of our listeners are all throughout different stages of their lives and going through different things. And sometimes it just helps, you know, to hear those stories, those similar stories even sometimes, and sometimes they're entirely different, but I know that um, you know, maybe at some point if someone goes through something, they'll be able to listen back to this and find encouragement from it. So I really appreciate that. No, you bet. And I think it's a different time now because I think everyone looks at the highlight reel of social media um, and thinks that other folks don't have any challenges in their daily lives because most people only show uh, the positive and the happy and when things are going well. So um, I think uh, social media in some ways can be a great asset to us, but in some ways can be a challenging piece of life too, because um, when you're having a tough, uh, you know, kind of period of your life that you're navigating through and it looks like the rest of the world, everything's going great and everything's wonderful, um, that isn't always necessarily the case. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think Jenna would agree as well, but I need to stop thinking and talking about this because I'm a very emotional person. And I was sitting over here imagining what going through an experience like that, I can't imagine what you and your sisters went through. And I, I do express my condolences to you guys because I just can't imagine it. You know what I'm going to say. UnitedHarvest.com. Go to UnitedHarvest.com today and go look through their catalog of meat that they offer. Hoodrite pork, American fed lamb, Masami Angus cross, cattle. You, you, you can't go wrong with any of these products. Go to their website, UnitedHarvest.com. If you want something, if you think it's decent, type in the promo code FRIENDS15, capital FRIENDS15 in the promo code 
on your first order. You'll get 15% off. Go to unitedharvest.com. Anyhow, so if you wouldn't mind, would you tell us a little bit about the role that you're in? And I don't know much about the history of Oklahoma, but um, I do know that sometimes accepting roles is really hard especially being a female. And just can you talk about that a little bit about your experience? I, if I remember correctly, I think that you might have been the first female secretary of ag in Oklahoma, but maybe I'm incorrect. No, you are correct, Maddie. Um, I'm the first female in this role here in the state, uh, which has, has been unique. And I'll, I'll tell the listeners um, kind of an interesting story when I uh, when the governor announced uh, that I would be serving in this capacity I had had a great opportunity to visit with lots of media and one particular reporter um, said to me well um, weren't you thinking about your kids when you took this job and I thought well, yes, of course, I was thinking about my kids when I took this job. I always think about my kids. You know, our decisions are based around our children a majority of the time. And I thought, too, if I was a a gentleman in this position, would you ask me that question? And my guess is probably no. Um, So it it has been unique uh, to be the first uh, female to serve in this capacity. I had several folks um, who uh, cautioned me that I would not be able to do the job and still be a mom and still be a wife and still take care of all the things that I needed to take care of, um, which is, you know, certainly maybe could be discouraging. But from my perspective, I thought, well, um, I could, we can find a way to get through every day. And we've got lots of help and lots of support. And uh, my days certainly are very busy. So to talk a little bit about what those daily responsibilities look like here in Oklahoma, um, one of them is being just in charge of our agency, our Department of Ag. So we've got um, over 400 people who handle a variety of things from um, animal health uh, to wildland fires, uh, to marketing um, ag products across the state, feed, seed, fertilizer, you name it. Uh, So I work with all the staff um, here at our agency to make sure that we are helping farmers and ranchers uh, to be successful, but we also have a big regulatory function, making sure that they're all following the rules that they need to follow per state statute. Uh, We work with the state legislature quite a bit. Some days that can be fun. Some days that can be more challenging than others. Uh, The political pieces of the job uh, sometimes can be the most stressful pieces of the job. Um, I also uh, serve in a couple of other different capacities, which is unique to Oklahoma. Um, I serve as a uh, commissioner for our school land commission, so land leases throughout the state. Um, I serve as a regent for the OSU A&M system, and then um, I serve on the board of equalization, and um, all of those have a different focus. Uh, the great thing, I think, uh, about whoever you know, kind of wrote the Secretary of Ag into statute years ago at statehood as they made certain that Ag had a voice at all of these tables. Um, Even in Oklahoma, we have become fairly urbanized. And so a lot of times I'm the only Ag voice at the table. Um, And more often than not, um, I'm the only female voice at the table. And so, so glad to have the opportunity to bring the Ag perspective to all of these discussions and make sure that we're doing things here in the state that are going to help farmers and ranchers continue to be successful. I was listening to all that and I was just thinking about when I tell my mom that I'm so busy and all I do is get out of bed and like 
go watch TV on the couch and just that I'm just so <laughs> overwhelmed. Um, so yeah, you're definitely busy and kudos to you for handling it all and handling it all. So in such a great fashion. Um, but I want to back up. I almost hit my head on the ice cream thing when you, when you're talking about the reporter, because I think that, and we haven't really got into it much on the podcast, but it's definitely a prominent topic. And I want to talk about it being, uh, you know, we've called this the boss babes or being someone who wants to make a difference in ag and being a female and what's the stigma of a male role. Um, I know that, like you said, those are great stories of you talking about you facing it and people saying things to you. What do you, do you see that on the daily basis? And I've, I'm a big on, I guess, I feel like I have, for me personally, I have every opportunity to be successful as a woman in ag, but my repercussions, if I fail, are different um, than those of a male. And I guess I want your opinion on that. If you agree, disagree, see where you stand on being a woman in ag and specifically in a high caliber role. Yeah, absolutely. There's, uh, there's definitely times when I feel like there's a little bit of target, um, on my back. I, I share a funny story. I certainly wouldn't name the individual, but I'm about six months into it, a, a fairly prominent individual who said, well, you know, I just didn't think a lady could do that job, but you seem to be doing an okay, uh, job most of the time. <laughs> Which I thought, well, thank you. Thank you so much for the compliment, sir. Yes, yes. But uh, the ag world uh, is still pretty uh, male dominated as far as uh, leadership positions, certainly here in Oklahoma. Um, it still is quite a bit. And when we look at the leadership within the majority of um, our ag commodity groups here in the state. Um, and even just when I go out and talk to producers, uh, that's usually talking uh, to men as a pretty general rule. Um, I think it's always important, uh, at least my approach as a female um, in the position is I want people to feel like I'm doing a good job uh, because I'm capable and qualified in doing a good job. Um, I never want that caveat of uh, doing a good job um, even for a female or doing a good job even for a gal. Um, so that's something that I always want to make sure I've done my homework, that I'm always prepared. Um, and two, it's trying to find where uh, that that um, happy medium is between not uh, being a chip on your shoulder as a female in a position um, and also not trying to be part of uh, the guys, you know, of the uh, boys gang. It's being very comfortable uh, kind of in your shoes, whatever those might be. You know, some days I wear heels, uh, some days I wear boots, and it's finding that comfort level in both those positions. So I think we're very fortunate that there are several women in the ag sector who have paved a wonderful path for us uh, that I'm very appreciative of. And I want to make sure that I do the very, very best job that I can so that for uh, the young ladies uh, that come behind me, I uh, will feel like that I've uh, paved it a little further for them uh, so that they don't have to run into some of the hurdles uh, that we do. And, and I'll finish with one story. Um, this would have been when I worked um, at the agency previously and I started doing the legislative work and I was over at the state capitol and we had a bill up in committee and I had to stand up and uh, give some information regarding the bill and what it would do and um, an individual caught me afterwards and I was just brand new in that role and um, he said you know I think you're going to have a really hard time doing this job and I said well I, I certainly have a lot to learn um, lots of people to meet um, and develop relationships with and he said well no you're going to have a hard time doing this job because you're a girl. 
which um, I think the intent was maybe to like make me cry and quit, uh, but it didn't do that. It just made me really angry um, and made me want to show him that I was incredibly capable and could do a good job. So, um, and that was in 2011. And I also wanted to say, sir, have you seen that it's 2011 and not 1950 either? Um, but uh, that's just, it's just kind of real life. And so you uh, take the hits when they come on occasion. Uh, but a lot of times, um, for all you young ladies out there, uh, sometimes you got to work a little bit harder and stay up a little bit later uh, to get ahead, but it will definitely be worth it. Oh my goodness. I'm just running these stories through my head. Like, how would I respond? And you are much more graceful about it. So I applaud you for that because <laughs> I don't know that I could have handled it that well. That sounds like a really rough situation to be to, especially when they bring your children into it because obviously they they crossed your mind mind a time or two when you were making that decision I'd say they they absolutely did so Jared my husband and I that I mean was a very lengthy discussion that we had together uh, because the kids are young um, and certainly it is a, a big time requirement for me but I also didn't know if I'd ever have uh, the opportunity again. And uh, Jared said, we'll make it work and we'll all work together. And the kids know that you love them and you care about them. And that's really the most important thing. So we, I feel fortunate that it's very much a team effort. Um, and we have lots and lots of help too, um, to make sure kids get where they need to go and uh, make practices and those kind of things. That's awesome. And I, I applaud you for that, because I know that 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 has to be really tough sometimes to be able to manage all of that, I know. Um, and maybe like to go off of that a little bit, um, can you like express a little bit how you do stay organized between like work and home and things like that? I know that that's something that a lot of people struggle with is just balancing the two appropriately. Like how do you navigate through that? Sure. It is. Um, it's a it's a juggling act. Uh, there is no question. Uh, thankfully, um, I have wonderful staff that I work with here at the department. Um, and so there's lots of um, planning and some things that are non-negotiable. So for example, when the kids, uh, I'll take Tulsa State Fair that we had here in October in Oklahoma, um, those days get pretty much marked up on my calendar and I say I'm going to go uh, watch the kids show and you can track me down on my cell phone. Um, so we have to do lots of planning to make sure that things um, don't get um, scheduled on top of other things. Uh, but a lot of times you also have to make tough decisions about uh, what the priority is. And a lot of times that's a discussion with the kids to say, okay, I know you have a track meet here. This is a meeting that I really, really need to be at or the governor wants me to do XYZ. Um, and so lots of times there's trade-offs about I can't make it to every game. Um, and there I get grief from other moms uh, and dads about that sometime, which is certainly their perspective. But um, I, my kids will survive even if I don't make it to every single game um, that they have. And so um, it's just, you know, kind of day-to-day -day prioritizing um, give and take. And I think all of us know that in life. Uh, we can't do everything that we want to do all the time. 
And uh, the kids certainly, um, I try to talk to them as much as I can about my job and my job responsibilities so they understand what I'm doing um, and hopefully the impact uh, that that has here in Oklahoma. And we try to include them in any tough decisions uh, that we have to make regarding that. But um, it doesn't, I thought, well, after I do this, you know, for six months or a year, maybe this will get a little bit easier. Um, it doesn't really get any easier. Uh, you just have to do a lot of planning and prioritizing and also acknowledge uh, that you sometimes um, some things aren't going to happen as much as you would like to hit uh, all four events in the same evening. Just logistically, it doesn't work. No, that all, uh, I, like Maddie said, kudos to you because the amount of things that you just I'm sure you do more than I'm even thinking of and you still handle it all well. And that's just amazing. And, and I just was thinking about how you talking about other parents and stuff, you know, I, uh, my mom gives anesthesia. She works 16 hour shifts. She did all of when I was little, um, all through the summer with pigs in the barn and her job doing that. And my dad building bins, we could never just go to the pool. We could never do this. And a lot of kids, uh, even would say things to me and like, why can't you do this? You never get to leave. You never get to do this. Your parents aren't here. And, and, you know, I think that, you know, kudos to you again for talking to your kids about it. Cause it, there was times I didn't understand it. I didn't understand why I couldn't do this, why I couldn't do that, why my parents weren't here, why we had to go this way. Uh, and then you're 20 years old and you realize what they were doing, what you were doing. Uh, and it all plays in, it all plays out perfectly. But, um, I guess, you know, back to, we were talking about juggling everything and stuff like that and making everything work. I think that that's another thing and want to talk about, you know, when I said it, mentioned it earlier, basically your plan's not working out. And I think that people think that they have to have a plan for everything all the time. And so what do you do to like when things don't go your way, when you fail, uh, when you have to just make things work on the fly? Sure, absolutely. Um, I very much try to be a planner, uh, but for anyone who knows uh, my wonderful husband, he is not a planner. Um, and so depending on what he has going in his world, uh, sometimes adjust even these best laid plans uh, that I have. And um, sometimes uh, when things don't sort out like we want, or I have the schedule of I need to to be here and we need to do this and this needs to happen. Um, sometimes it's really frustrating. And, and two, I think that's okay. Do you know, I mean, I think it's good for people to know that sometimes things don't work out. Uh, sometimes that uh, what you're planning on doesn't happen. I think a really important thing uh, for me and my professional career and certainly as a spouse and a mother um, has been to, uh, especially for anyone who is a type A personality, um, you have to realize that you got to find some flexibility, um, that there's some things that um, you can hold as have-tos and non-negotiables, uh, but you also have to add some flexibility and some understanding um, and some empathy and sympathy. And I'll give a quick story uh, that uh, might resonate with folks. When I, I first started working out of college, uh, Jared and I were married, but didn't have any kids. And so if I needed to work till six or seven or whatever time it was to get done with things, uh, that's what I would do. And um, had colleagues who would say, well, I can't be here until 8.30 because I have to take my kid to this, or I've got to leave early for this. And prior to having kids of my own, um, in my mind, I always thought, you know, what's your priority? Is work your priority or is, you know, where you're not doing what you're supposed to do? 
Um, well, then when you have your own children, uh, you realize that it's not quite that easy, um, that kids don't always sleep through the night and, um, you know, your toddler might throw up on your suit as you're walking out the door, whatever the case may be. And so I think learning to be flexible um, and understanding and, and have some good perspective of other folks' situations as well. Um, and then some days just saying, that's not going to work out like we wanted it to. Um, and that's okay. Um, and so you just kind of reframe your strategy and go at it again. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because even now move, you know, I'm a little far removed from my house. I don't live that far away, but you know, a few hours, which is far enough that if I get off work at five, it's hard to make plans. Um, and especially like going into fall shows, I know that right now it's like the plans are up in the air everywhere. And my dad is terrible at expressing what's going on. So like for me, it's not just as easy to pack up my bag and go hop in the truck and trailer and go to a show. There's plane tickets involved now too, which I, I completely know how that life goes. So I think that that'll resonate with a lot of people, just that, you know, that kind of lifestyle that we all live and, and it's just something that we all love because we keep doing it. So um, I, I did enjoy that story. Well, we operate on kind of a 24-hour time frame at my house as a pretty general <laughs> rule as far as <laughs> what we know has to happen in the next 24 hours. Yeah, sometimes, you know, sometimes 24 hours is a good thing. Other times we might get like an hour. <laughs> and then as we're like running late out the door, he's like screaming like, let's go, we got to get going, you know. So um, I think that a lot of people will, you know, will really enjoy that story because a lot of us, I think, kind of go on the same scheduling. Sure. All right, Blaine. Well, if you would, would you mind just giving a little snapshot of what you see as the future of ag in terms of, you know, you mentioned policy earlier and just navigating through, you know, all the changes going on in the political world right now and in agriculture and kind of tie those together? Sure, absolutely. Um, I think it's a very pivotal time for all of us uh, that are in the ag world. Um, and everyone has heard we're just 2% of the population and producing food and fiber for everyone else. Uh, but I hope that all of us in the ag world have really looked at 2020. Um, and depending on where you live in the United States, uh, really recognize that there's a lot of people who don't understand agriculture, um, a lot of people who certainly do not understand the livestock world, and I hope it really encourages so many of us to uh, become more involved than we already are, and that's at every different level. Um, that could be um, on your city council, that could be on the school board, um, that could be participating uh, as a voice with one of the commodity groups. Uh, we, I think we definitely have an uphill battle, specifically uh, in the livestock sector over the next five to 10 years. There's lots of folks uh, who don't like what we do. There's lots of folks who don't think that we should eat animals. Um, there's certainly, uh, they can, I always say they can um, have their opinion if folks want to be vegan or vegetarian or whatever their or organic, whatever their choices, that's fine. Uh, they don't um, have the option to tell me that what I choose to do at my house is not the right way. And so I hope that all of our, uh, well, really all ages of producers um, have kind of awakened to the fact that we have to be engaged, uh, that a lot of our political leaders can make the decisions for whether or not we're successful. They can develop policy that would inhibit us from being successful. And I think we've seen some very um, 
you know, bold examples of that this year, depending on which part of the United States you live in and um, who your governor is or who represents um, your particular uh, area where you live. And I want ag folks, if we want to continue to do what we do, if we want to continue to show livestock and be successful um, in production agriculture, we're going to have to communicate with those outside of our circle. Um, that's not always uh, the easiest conversation and it can be frustrating, certainly, but we've got to uh, stop talking to the choir, uh, talk to the rest of the world, share our message, uh, explain what we do, why we do it, how we do such a tremendous job at feeding the world, uh, because I, I have certainly lots of concerns. I know we're sitting here on uh, November 5th and lots of us very uh, discouraged about um, how things may sort themselves out at the national level and because that could have tremendously negative implications for all of us in production agriculture. Blaine, I really appreciate, you know, what you had to say. And I think it's really important for people to recognize the fact that we're not taking a political stance here whatsoever. We're more so trying to focus on the bigger picture of agriculture. And I think that's something to keep in mind as we're going through this, you know, wild stage right now on the national level and just trying to keep the bigger picture in mind. So we we really appreciate that. No, and I agree. And I think that she brings up a really good point about the fact that us in the livestock deal, we people don't know what we do and we need to create more of a conversation than we do and need to just expect them to know. Um, so I think we try to reiterate that and advocate for that, but that doesn't always, doesn't always happen. So I think that that's really important as well. And I know that it's, I know that it's easy to, to, you know, you just said something that made me think about this. It's really easy sometimes to spark an argument rather than that conversation. And the conversation I think is the way that we need to go. Rather than starting an argument with that person, I know that sometimes some people aren't willing and that's okay. But if you can start a conversation, don't start that argument right off the bat. No, I think that's really important. I have uh, lots of friends um, who have very, very different views than I do, uh, be those political or be those on um, agriculture or education or how to raise your kids, whatever that answer might be. Um, but we're still friends. Uh, we can always agree to disagree. Uh, but I think certainly when we have those conversations, uh, we both learn from each other. And I think that's what's so important. And I do think those who might have uh, some ideas about the ag world or about livestock uh, sector in particular, when we bring them out to our operations, uh, when we have a good conversation with them and show them what we do and why we do those things, I really feel like the majority of people want to learn um, and then sometimes can become our greatest advocates uh, after we involve them kind of in those daily activities and really share our story with them. Yeah, I love that. And I, I seriously, I couldn't agree more. And I know we're, we're running out of time here a little, but Blaine, do you have any other parting thoughts or words of wisdom for women, young people um, growing up in the ag industry and moving on to the next portion of their life. Sure, absolutely. Um, I would just encourage everyone uh, to stay the course. Uh, there will be some crummy days when it's uh, freezing and you're trudging through the mud, uh, literally or figuratively, and you feel like there's uh, not any positive uh, that's going to come out of things. But if you keep your head down um, and you work hard and uh, 
work towards whatever that goal is, I assure you will find uh, success. Um, so you just have to keep after it. Um, and I think 2020 has shown us uh, the resiliency of the ag community. Um, and I look forward to great things uh, to come for all of us um, in 2021. So just um, stay the course, uh, build a great network around you uh, that will help you through the tough times and uh, perspective is everything. So you can always look for the good um, or you can find the bad in any situation. And I think if you focus on looking for the good, you can certainly always find some. No, I agree with all of that and what you said. And I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule. Clearly, uh, we're not as busy as we claim to be because you uh, are very, <laughs> because... very busy. I'm not the secretary of ag. I just go to, go to school. Um, but anyway, thank you um, and your family. I know that, like I said, you're busy. You uh, got a lot on your plate, but to take the time and talk to us and the people who listen, because I know that you have a lot of fans, probably more than you, you realize. So thank you. Well, I appreciate the invitation um, and we'll continue to listen to what uh, you all are putting together here. So appreciate the invite um, and look forward to many more good things to come for all of us in the ag world. Thank you. As we've mentioned in the previous couple of episodes, we want to give a huge shout out to the Stock Market Boutique. You can find them on Instagram or Facebook, maybe. I'm not. I think. I would say so. So anyhow, so go ahead and search them on your favorite social media platform. Get on their website. Use code TKP10 to get 10% off. They've got all sorts of things to offer from jeans all the way to your favorite Dojo 7s, t-shirts, graphic tees. I love the striped flares that they had. I was just looking at those. They are so cute because those are in, you know, to be different. I think they have different colors as well. It looks like they come in rust and in ivory with blue. So check those out. Those are one of our favorite items right now. Yeah, they're cute. And flare jeans make your legs look so good girls so good so don't be a loser shop the stock market